Podcast City Network. Hi everyone, I am your host, Mark the Shark Retorto, and welcome to the Mark the Shark MMA Show, where every week we talk about the wonderful sport of MMA. To me, we will review the most recent and upcoming events in MMA news. In each episode, the format may be changed, but you will always be entertained. There will be special interviews with special guests, along with special insights on the sport from our guest hosts. Also, check out our Facebook page for news and updates on future episodes. Also, we appreciate donations from our listeners to keep our podcast up and running. You can make a donation by clicking on the Click the Support button found at anchor.fm slash Mark the Shark MMA Show. And that's Mark spelled with a C and not a K. We are also looking for guests who want to be on the show and sponsors who want to advertise their product and brand on the show. For more information, contact me on the Mark the Shark MMA Show Facebook page. Page. Also, for a plug-in, if you're looking for a good action thriller suspense novel, check out a book called The Cabal, The Saga Begins. You can find it on both Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. It is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobooks format on Amazon.com. and paperback version only on BarnesandNoble.com. And the hardcover version is only available at www.retortofamilybooks.com. For a good book for your kid to read, check out I Am a Survivor or Invisible Girl, written by a little 11-year-old girl by the name of Christina Retorta. She has her books in Kindle and audiobook format and paperback format on Amazon.com and paperback format on both Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And a hardcover version is only available at www.retortofamilybooks.com. Okay, everyone, keep on listening. We'll be back shortly after this break. It's Angelica from A Little Bit of Everything with Me podcast, and you're listening to Mark the Shark MMA Show. All right, guys, this is Mark from the Mark the Show MMA Show. I'm just letting you guys all know that this show is now part of the Podcast City Network, and you can find me and the other shows that are part of the network on the podcastcity.net website. Check it out. You got it. All right, guys, we're back on the show, and we're live with Gabriel Alvarez, an MMA fighter from Florida. How are you doing today, Gabriel? I'm doing good, real good. Okay. You're from uh, Florida, correct? Yes, sir. Stewart, Florida. Okay. Anyway, I just got a couple of quick questions for you. I appreciate you bringing on the show. Try not to take up too much of your time. So I know you probably get back to training for your next fight. Um, so, no, of course. Say that again. What's well, up? I said I don't want to keep take up too much of your time because I know you probably get back to training for your next fight. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Later on tonight. Yeah. So at what age did you start uh, martial arts? I started um, martial arts really when I was like, back when I was like 10, but I don't really count that because it was like Taekwondo and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not really too competitive, but like uh, Muay Thai, I started when I was like 19. Oh, wow. 
How long have you yeah. been doing uh, Muay Thai for? Like three and a half years now. Wow. So yeah. how did you get started uh, fighting in MMA? Well, I actually haven't. This was uh, this was for a Muay Thai belt. Um, all my fights are Muay Thai. Oh, okay. So you're yeah. a Muay Thai fighter then. Nice. Mm-hmm. Love so the stand up. How did you, um, <laughs> how did you uh, find get into Muay Thai fighting? Uh, well, um, kind of just left college after just like three semesters. Just wasn't really working out. Figured out I was just gonna be digging a hole deeper into debt. So I just jumped out while I while I still could. Well, I could still save myself, and um, I just you know needed an outlet for for my energy and found a found a local MMA gym and they had a kickboxing class and I just signed up right away and started going three four times a week, and after like six months of training, you know I was really starting to like it, and uh, I was told there was going to be some amateur fights around town, you know, just you know not too far of a drive. So a few months later, I found myself in the ring, and um, I got beat pretty bad and lost by decision and uh, figured I wanted more of it. I wanted to do better than that. So here I am now. And, the, and that was, those were amateur tie boxing matches, correct? Yeah. Yeah, all amateur so wow. far. Nice, nice. Now, what do you find hard? Because I'm, I'm nowhere near at your level because I've done, and I was a lot older too when I started it, uh, a while back probably was in my early 30s, I got injured in jiu-jitsu. I separated my shoulder. Ooh. And I still wanted I, I still wanted to be active. So I, tr- I tried Thai boxing. I did it on and off for a year and a half because my body just couldn't deal with it. So I, was, I didn't give my body enough time to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you deal with those leg kicks? Because those are brutal. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, in training, I mean, we mitigate it as much as we can, but just when we spar, we got pretty thick shin pads on, and we don't go full blast, and we don't aim for the shin. Okay. But, um, you know, you you got to kind of condition your lead leg a bit, but you can only do so much. You you do end up with some bruises um, after going hard. But for the most part, if you're going – if you're doing, like, the real tie style of sparring where you're not going full blast, you're just kind of tapping and just going com- combo for combo, just using your speed mostly, um, you don't really get chewed up that bad. You don't really – even feel too much the next day, maybe just a little bit of some soreness, but never anything that's going to give you a limp or nothing. But, um, of course, the, and you know, during a fight, it's way different. You know, I'm oh, still yeah. pretty banged up. I got, you know, a pretty slow, <laughs> slow left, left leg right now, just because, uh, you know, those muscles are real torn up, but, uh, they bounce back, you know, after two weeks, it's like never happened. Wow. And then, um, because I remember that even if you block the kick, they hurt. So a lot of people are like, oh, you kick, you know, you will just hurt the guy. But the guy blocks, even with their forearms and stuff, it hurts. Because I remember, like, oh, yeah. you block with your shin, you know, you, even a person Absolutely. doing blocking gets banged up. You know, it's not yeah, just even a person if, throwing it. Yeah, unless it's like a, a really overwhelmingly powerful strike in the fight. When you're checking, you don't you don't necessarily feel the pain right away. Um, you just kind of feel like you know just two pieces of metal banging, and they just kind of clash, and then you just you're just back in the zone. It's really afterwards that you feel the accumulation of them, where it, it's really painful. But in a fight, you kind of you kind of just got to go you know go with it and, and check because you, if you take that same kind of powerful kick to the body, 
then that's where you really get, you know, you get effects. You'll see guys, guys drop from a good body kick or something where if they would have checked it with the shin or even with just the knee or the top of the thigh, it wouldn't have been nearly as effective in the middle of the fight. Mm. Therefore, yeah. you know, afterwards it's going to hurt, but in the moment it sounds bad. Okay. Now, I'm not too familiar with amateur tie boxing. Do you guys wear headgear like the amateur boxers do? Yeah, yeah, we still have to wear headgear. There was just um, a law passed this year recently that um, allows us to not have to use it if we're both um, agreeing to those rules, both opponents. But yeah. um, for some reason, I, it just hasn't spread throughout the whole state just mm-hmm. yet. Like now and this past weekend, we were all wearing headgear um, all around. But uh, it, is, it is getting to the point where they're going to start allowing people to not have to use it. It won't be mandatory. And um, elbows, I'm pretty sure, will be allowed um, at some point. I think there's something about that that's getting changed this yeah, year as well. And then eventually everyone's going to be adopting it. So it'll be full rules Muay Thai like it is on the West Coast. Sure. So it's going to be more more traditional Muay Thai where you can do elbows. Then. Yep. But in, in yeah, your current rules. that you've been, there were no elbows, correct? Were you allowed to use elbows in your matches? No elbows, yeah. No elbows and then no knees to the I don't know if that's changing it or not. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, because my cousin, um, crazy enough, he did it. He's he's a little younger than me. He did it. He did it when he was 40, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess it's better late than, than ever, but uh, I kind of remember him wearing the headgear and so forth. So... Your yeah. prior to that, your only martial arts background was Taekwondo, correct? That and then uh, high school wrestling, too. I wrestled for a few years. That was a lot of fun, too. Okay. Are you ever going to venture off into mixed martial arts? Because, I mean, you're already there. you got the wrestling, you're doing the Thai boxing. Yeah, too. for sure. It, it it definitely has my interest. I do want I do want that challenge, the small gloves and the grappling. Um, I'm going to get to it. But right now, I'm, I'm sharpening up stand-up. Getting okay. that real sharp. I do want. I do want to dive into jujitsu, though. I do want to fully embrace that as well, because I only really rolled for like a few months in total. I haven't really gotten into that that sport too much, but I do miss wrestling. So I'm sure I'll like the, the grappling of jujitsu too. Oh, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Now, do you cross train um, in terms of stand up with boxing at all? Not so much. Um, we do have a dedicated day of, of boxing in our at our Muay Thai gym um, mm-hmm. where we do focus more on hands. But um, I have never taken a, a boxing class or any sort of a fundamentals of, of, of boxing. It's all been pure Muay Thai so far. Yeah. Because, I mean, a while... I'm sure it would be beneficial to me. Yeah. Because yeah, from what I remember, the uppercuts are different. Um, the way the Thai boxers throw the uppercuts and so forth. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is. You could, yeah. And, and just the footwork. And all Thai boxing and footwork is totally different. Totally yeah. Different. And also, um, there's no bob. You can't bob and weave in Thai boxing. Then you get hit in the knee. Yeah, it's a little more <laughs> risky. <laughs> a couple more things you can hit with. Same, same thing in MMA. Um, so, I just to let everybody know, I, I found you on Facebook. That's how I find most most of the people and guests on my show. And I noticed that you had a belt around your waist. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about it? 
Sure. Yeah, that's the uh, that is the Saltwater Samurai 147 pound Muay Thai Championship belt there, and uh, yeah, I won it this past weekend, uh, five round Muay Thai fight. Pretty pretty tough dude. My toughest opponent so far. He was uh, he was their defending champion, and um, I fought for them once last year, and okay. uh, just you know had a good time down there. Had you know fight went my way and just had a good time down in the Keys. So. Uh, I picked up this other fight. It was originally actually supposed to be a three-round fight against someone else, and um, they pulled out due to an injury, and then uh, and then the champion's opponent also pulled out for some other reason I wasn't aware of, and uh, they asked me two weeks before. They're like, "Hey, you, uh, your opponent's out. His opponent's out. You want to get matched up? You want the title fight?" And I said, "Absolutely." So we just prepared as much as we could in those two weeks and. Got my weight down to where it needed to be and made weight perfect. And it was my first time making 147, too. I, I was normally at a 155 and 150. Wow. But uh, decided to try it out, and I felt great. Felt felt better than I ever, ever felt. Went all five rounds just fine. And uh, Five rounds? Yeah. Yes, sir. Oh. Two minutes. Two, two minute rounds. But, uh, yeah, all five. My first time going five. And uh, felt good, man. Is that five and, uh, because it was a championship? A while. Yeah. Ah, oh, because I could have sworn Muay Thai fights were only like three two-minute rounds. Oh, so they made it longer though because it was a championship, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Normally, yeah, tra- traditional Muay Thai in uh-huh. in Thailand and um and I'm sure in other promotions now around the world, um they're adopting it too, where the traditional style is no matter championship or not, it's going to be a five five round fight and it's three minutes. That's the traditional Thai way. Um, wow. Which I do, I, I do want to do eventually. But yeah, all their fights are five rounds, which is crazy. Okay. And then do you do that ceremonial dance in the beginning? Personally, if it's in a cage, um, we stay away from it. If it's in a ring, then we'll do it. We'll, we'll wear the, the Mong Kong on our head. But um, for this one, for this particular one, I did not. Wow. Very interesting. Now, how many fights did you have leading up to this? Uh, five. That was my sixth fight. Wow. Now, let me ask you a question. If that guy hadn't dropped out and your guy hadn't dropped out, would have this been more of a tournament style? Um, No, no, not, not around here. Um, It would have been more like an over, over the, over time, over course of time style tournament because um, they don't have a huge talent pool down there. So it was only a, a handful of guys in, in the weight class anyways that are going to be okay. shuffling through to try and get the the title shot. So, like, if I were to beat my uh, original opponent, I was going to get the title shot anyways. So it uh-huh. just kind of worked out a little quicker that way. But, um, no, no no one's fighting more than once in a night down there. Okay, yeah. In New York, like in Long Island, I, I don't remember the organization. They have it. Um, it's, like, over a weekend. And it's, it's a tournament yeah. style. Yeah, they uh, they actually yeah they have that coming up in August in the uh, IKF. They okay. do something where it's like it's like over, like you weigh in one day and then the next two days you're fighting. Okay, interesting. So, now, do you have? Yeah, any, that, that, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What'd you say? No, no, that was just uh, you know, that's an interesting way of doing it. But go on. Uh, so, do you have any sponsors? I don't. No, personally, not okay. yet. Just um. 
to, but yeah, you're looking, I've, I've you're looking to get to, sponsors, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, now I am. Now I feel like I like I can. Um, <laughs> we have some some ideas locally here that okay. we're going to try to reach out to. Right, we're going to try to give you a help out now. Anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're looking to sponsor a Mu Tie Fighter, contact Gabriel Alvarez. Proudly wear your name in my shorts. <laughs> exactly. Now, quick question for you: If any of the listeners or sponsors wanted to get in touch, with you, how would they get in touch? With you? Do you have a website or? Uh, I don't have a website yet. Um, I do have an Instagram. Uh, okay. You can find me at kicks underscore and underscore coffee one four five. Um, and my Facebook's just my name, Gabriel Alvarez. Okay. And do you, and what gym do you train out of? I'm out of uh, Kings Muay Thai Gym in Stewart, Florida. Okay. Just to give it, you know, help your school out, give them a little shout out there. Everybody that's listening to Absolutely. They also have their Instagrams at Kings Muay Thai Gym. Okay. Okay. Now, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? Like, do you just train full-time or do you work full-time and you just on the side? Like, what do you do? Yeah. I do still work all throughout the week. Um, so, I work from 8 to 4.30 or 5. And then, uh, yeah, I get home and shower. And then I go straight to the gym. And we'll be having classes all throughout the evening, be there till nine, nine thirty some nights. Um occasionally we'll work we'll wake up early in the morning, meet at the gym at five thirty, like when we're preparing for this fight, we're getting up twice a week meeting with the gym. Okay. Five thirty for sparring and um and then on my own time I'll I'll do runs a few times a week, try to get at least ten miles a week. And you do weightlifting as well? I do throw some weights around, no no specific regiment with weightlifting. I do have some kettlebells and some more uh, less traditional styles of working out. Um, not necessarily moving moving anything heavy, just uh, moving a lot. Ah, okay. Now, do you have any other fights scheduled coming up soon? Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm scheduled to defend my belt now August 17th. Same spot down in Key West, the Truman Amphitheater. Nice. You think y'all be yeah, for that, or like, what do you do when you're done oh. with your fight? Like, I don't know how brutal. I'm assuming this fight went all five rounds, right? Yeah, yeah, all five. So, um, I was a little banged up. My lead leg is, you know, pretty bruised. Like I said, so I've I've been icing it. I've been, you know, applying some, <clears throat> excuse me, some CBD cream, some uh, some Arnica cream, okay. some good stuff to really alleviate the inflammation but no injuries nothing just some some bruising okay now do you often take a break between like let's say you got done i don't know yesterday do you give yourself like a certain period of rest before you resume sparring again like a week or two yeah sparring for sure um depending if i got like hurt to the head like in in one fight one of my previous fights i did get rocked so i actually stopped sparring for about three months um, okay. For this one, I, I felt just fine afterwards, head-wise. Um, my leg is going to need a bit of a, you know, a bit of looking after for a few weeks, but I'm mm-hmm. sure I'll, I'll be sparring again by next month. Um, you go to physical therapy for your leg? What's that? You go to therapy for your leg? Are you going to go to therapy for your leg? Or not likely. Um, it does seem to be getting better, so okay. I'll just I'll just see how how it does from here. Um, but uh, I've never had to go at see any uh, 
anything like muscular therapy or anything like that. Just um, just looking after it myself, and as long as it's nothing serious, okay. uh, should be just fine. Now, in terms of the sport of Thai boxing, um, how, how many crazy questions? Believe it or not, even though as much as the UFC has grown, some people don't even know what mixed martial arts still is. Like the other day, I was at work during my day job, and I was yeah. talking to this guy. He's like, he wants, he used to wrestle, and he wants to do something to get in shape. So I told him to get into jujitsu, and he was like, "What's that?" <laughs> you don't know what the UFC. You never heard of the UFC. You never heard of, and I even gave him a recommendation. I said, like, "Look up the Hanzo Gracie's card." He's like, "Who's that?" I'm like, you don't know who Hensel Gracie is? You don't know who the UFC is? So I'm actually, huh? You can say? Oh, sorry. What's that? Yeah, so I was actually, to my surprise, you know, even as popular as the UFC's gotten, you know, they're on ESPN and so forth, but there, there's still a lot of people out there that don't know what mixed martial arts are. So I'm wondering, how is it in the world of Muay Thai? <laughs> yeah, it's funny you should ask. It's it's something at some point after I'm explaining to somebody at some point during the week, every week. No yes. one has any idea what I'm talking about. I have yeah. to break it down. Like basically, it's a form of a style of kickboxing that originated from Thailand, and it's widely considered the most effective technique as far as stand-up fighting. Oh, That's why I just honestly 100% behind you. You know what I mean? Like to me, like if I had to pick two styles to uh, learn, particularly other than wrestling for MMA, it would be Thai mm-hmm. boxing and and um, and Muay Thai. I mean, to me, yeah. I, I I absolutely loved it when I did it. I mean, I'm older now; I'm almost fifty, so I can't do it. But I have utmost respect for what those guys are. And like the reason why I picked it up was like the popularity. Like at my gym, there's an um, there's a guy there that's actually a world champion, Ogan Topic. Hmm. Oh yeah, you yep. You heard of him, right? I have. Yeah, he's from you know he's from um, New Jersey, like me. And like I remember when I started there, you know, everybody he would probably have like maybe like maybe one or two years experience, and stopped and went back probably like five years later and he was still going he was good you know he was doing all the local stuff and that's how i got back into jiu-jitsu and just stuck with it then like i found out years you know i think about a year or two ago he just won the title you know he's fighting on mm-hmm. you know like a major i wouldn't say major networks but i guess the tie box you know they, they had like a card they had it you know streamed over the internet yeah um, why do you think that you know it hasn't grown. You, I mean, they have, uh, what's that? Kickbox, I think they have Glory now on TV. I mean, do you, do you have any ideas to why the sport hasn't grown? Because I don't know if, any, if anybody hasn't seen it. Once you see it, you love it. I mean, it's action packed. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it, it's, un, it's an undeniable sport as far as like excitement and just, you know, how, how it captivates your, your interest. But um, I don't know. I feel like Muay Thai, as far as like those, the full rule style fights, I don't know. I guess it's just because the the tradition of like the the headdress and the music and all that. So a lot, a lot of people just um, I don't know. They 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 feel like it. It kind of 
steps on the toes of what they're watching the fight for or something. I, I don't know. That's just opinions I've heard. It hasn't bothered me, but a lot of people, they don't want to hear that music and all that and see them bowing. And, you know, they just want to see a fight. They just want to see blood. <laughs> and, um, but glory though, glory. I like what they're doing as far as they, how they present the fighters and they kind of give a little more backstory to them. And they kind of have you a little more invested in the moment. Um, that's what I think anyways. And they, they put on excellent shows, crazy, crazy fights on glory. I feel like they're, they're, they're the biggest show out there. I hope, I hope for the best for them that they keep growing. Yeah. So what, what are your um, aspirations? Are you going to stay with Thai Box? I know you said you're going to get into MMA. But what's your goal? Do you want to be a professional fighter and fight professionally? Or are you just doing this for as long as you can and eventually you become like the average Joe and work the nine-to-five job? Well, I got into it just because I, I was still competitive. I, you know, I was 19 when I started and I still have that competitive drive like that I had when I was, when I was wrestling in high school. It's, you know, I just never really got the glory I wanted, I guess. So I just wanted to get into the ring and see what that was like. And now that I got a taste for it, I, I, I want more. So I feel like I'll take my amateur career a little further. Um, my plan is to win a few more belts get as good as I can get, um, get a few professional fights, win, win a few of those, and um, and check it off my, off my bucket list, man. I feel like I'm, you know, it's just the beginning, so I'll have a few more, more years dedicated to this, and then I'll, I'll probably take on the next, the next challenge, but um, as far as making money, I really want to do um, uh, EMT work and, uh, and become a firefighter. Uh, that's been my plan for years. Uh, I have been putting it off just because I know I can get it done in the future. I'm just fully dedicating myself to um, to mixed martial arts now and and the arts of of fighting. So taking it step by step, one at a time. Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu. I've wanted to do Judo. I like I really like uh, those those hip tosses and Judo throws. People are able to pull off. Um, you know, I'm I'm just kind of taking it step by step. I have my plan on the back burner, but um, for now I'm just I'm just taking the challenges that come to me. Well, Gabriel, you sound like a very bright young man. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, best of wishes to you on your next fight. And to everybody, any sponsors out there that are looking for an upcoming Muay Thai fighter, just look up Gabriel Alvarez. He's on Facebook and Instagram. And if you also, you can also leave me a message by using the Anchor app, and I can forward your message on to him. Again, Gabriel, thank you for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. Thanks to your listeners. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to www.audibletrial.com slash MMA show and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to www.audibletrial.com slash MMA show. This is a coupon queen pen from the CQP Moments podcast. And you're listening to Mark the Shark MMA show.
Hey everybody, this is Dan Young with Total Wellness Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. And today you're listening to Mark from the Mark the Shark MMA Podcast. Alright guys, we're back to the show. Are you guys interested in making money? Well, keep listening to the podcast. I'll make a special announcement on how you, the listener, can make money by listening to my podcast as well as other podcasts. Stay tuned. All right, guys, we're back on the show. Today we got a special guest, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, Luis Ron. How are you doing today? Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. It's always good to be. Yeah, involved. yeah. So for all the listeners out there, Luis is going to be our uh, resident uh, expert that we're going to have occasionally on the show from time to time. All right. <laughs> so uh, why don't you give us a little background on yourself? Like, how, how did you get involved with uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Doing it. I uh, I always had a martial arts experience. Uh, I always liked martial arts since I was a kid. And uh, I did um, I did different martial arts. To be honest, I did wrestling. I did some uh, Japanese jiu jitsu. But it was uh, 2003 when. I kind of just bumped into uh, Mike Markiewicz's jiu-jitsu school in Bloomfield Avenue in New Jersey. And then I was like, I, I, I would read about it, you know, back in the day, you know, like there wasn't a school in every corner, you know? Yeah. Um, so to be able to find back then a brown belt, because he wasn't even a black belt that was officially under uh, Hoyler Gracie was awesome. So that was it. Like I tried it one, one, one class and I was good. Here I am. <laughs> 15 now, years later. A long time later. Yeah. <laughs> so. Now did you hear about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu before you went to the school? Yeah, I would, I would read. No, I would, you know, you would read it about it uh on magazines like that's how i would read about it or found out about it did like the black belt magazines you know those those kung fu magazines yeah. there'll be like articles every once in a while like oh it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu and then uh the ufc just changed it for everybody you know yeah so you actually started after the ufc came out just kind of yeah that was like that that's what sealed it you know that's when you were like oh shit like i have to i have to learn this like i want to learn this you know and uh that's when i found mike markulik he was in bloomfield mm. now did you happen to see a ufc event before you signed up or now um not not too not really i wasn't really too much in, I, I always did it for the self-defense aspect it was always for the self there was no glory i mean like the competitions and so that that came later uh, for me it was always be able to defend myself 
So uh, okay. that's, where, that's where it started. Okay. And then and then when did you get your uh, black belt? Got my black belt uh, July two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two thousand thirteen. So that took you like ten years to get, right? <laughs> yeah, that was a long ass time. Yeah. So at one me? point at one point you think you're not gonna get it. You know, at one point you're gonna be like, fuck, I'm just gonna be a brown belt for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So why do you think it takes like cause in other martial arts you see like People getting their black belts in like three or four years. Why do you think it takes so long for people to get their black belts? I think it's a mix of everything. I think there's a mix of politics involved in that. Uh, some instructors are different. But I also think there's a difference on the, on the skill set that is being tested. Uh, you know, Kicking arts, any other martial arts that includes belts are, are I'm, I'm not saying limited, but they just have a curriculum that, you know, once you get your katas, it's very like laid out, you know, it's, it's the programs are different. I think with jujitsu, it's, it's such a, it's such a rewiring of your body and your mindset. So it, it's not a thing that, oh, give me three months and I guarantee you, you're gonna be at this level. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like that's, that's not possible. That's not, that's, it's so different for everybody. For one student, it can be in two months. For another student, the same process can take them up to six months. So it changes for everybody. Um, so, and, and I think that's, that's why, it, and it, it's it's demanding on our, on the body. It's super demanding. Mm. I mean, even your ears take a beating. You know, like every inch <laughs> of your body gets gets. Uh, you know, you don't you don't get cauliflower from kicking or doing taekwondo. You know what I mean? Like you get other other injuries, but I mean, look at the fingers, the the injuries, the cracked knuckles, the you know all that stuff. All that. So I think there's a deeper sense of 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 techniques and and involvement in in the in the art of jujitsu that a lot of the other arts aren't uh, are different. It's all about different. It's not better or worse. Jujitsu is better though. <laughs> 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 it is proven though but yeah you know like uh <laughs> i i think that's where it's at I, I, but i i think a lot of it most of it i think it's politics i think there's politics in there that shouldn't be there you know yeah because i know like in other martial arts like you said they got the criteria and like you do xyz you get, you know, yellow belt or blue belt, brown belt, and you can even test. Well, remember black. too, it, it 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 it's becoming it becomes a uh, a business too. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, you got to think about it like 
are you gonna get your black belt or 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 a black belt at a certain time? Well, that's cool, but what does it really mean? Can you really sustain, be an efficient fighter, be uh, an efficient uh, self-defense instructor, or even uh, you know, even a student that can just be like, like you give somebody a blue belt, you want them to be able to either grow into that blue belt right away or hold it down you know and, and and that's that's something that uh jujitsu doesn't lie like it's if you're on the mat all right and and somebody says to you i'm a purple belt you're gonna right away and see if he's a purple belt or not yeah like you're gonna right away they can be even like oh i haven't rolled in a little bit and i'm a little bit rusty but you're gonna know that guy's a purple belt or not just by the technique and the uh, the way he applies the technique and how he's putting combinations together. If he's stressing, is he staying calm? Like all of that, you know? And I think those are the levels that you go as, as you progress. And white belt, you're in full panic mode, you know? You're defending, you're going all out. Blue belt, you're breathing a little bit better. You're kind of slowing the down the game. But you're still on the defensive, right? Throwing yeah. a uh, throwing a, a jab here once and once here uh, here and there, you know. Purple bell, you're you're purple bell. You're putting your combos together. You're doing the one, two, threes, you know, and stepping to the side. That that's, and then from there, progressive. You're you're just progressing. So you, you there's no lying in jiu jitsu. That's what I'm trying to say. There's there's no lying in jiu jitsu. I think that's why. So as an instructor yourself, when you're ready to give someone their blue or their purple or brown, there, there, there's some criteria, but there's not a set criteria is what you're saying. You as an instructor, you're looking for certain things for them to have. Yeah, um, for sure. Okay. I think it's a lot of, I think it's, it's, within, it's with character, right? Are they going to... Mm -hmm have good character in the gym and outside the gym as well. You don't want somebody that's gonna represent you in a bad name and start picking fights or, you know what I mean? Or just have no social conscience and you don't want that either. So there's a certain criteria and, and on and off the mat. On, on the mat, it's just the consistency, right? Uh, is he attending classes? Is he attending and is he, when he's here, is he training or is he just bullshitting? Or is he just, you know what I mean? Like, how serious is he? I mean, I don't, I don't push my guys to compete, but if you compete, like that, that only proves that your commitment go, is going farther than the average students, you know? And that's a self, that's, that's self-rewarding. That's a self-rewarding action. Like it's, it is for the school. You're repping the school, but at the end, it's, those, those those are uh, it's a self-rewarding because I went through it already. I I competed. You know, you see me. You you saw me. Yeah. So I I did it. So the satisfaction that I get through this is telling somebody, "Hey, man, you can do this. Like you can do it. I did it. You can do it. It's that simple as that. You know." Exactly. Exactly. And how do you feel the um, 
How do you feel jujitsu has changed since you started? Oh, well, so much. So much. And, and not only just the kind of fighters, in the sense of the technique, but the actual the actual fighters themselves, like back in the day, like remember it was like Mario Sperry, like Ricardo Arona, like Bustamante, the big, big, big dudes, you know, big now that they're smaller frame, faster games, more technical. So the technique has just gotten sharper, you know, it's, 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 it's a 2.0 to a 3.0 when back then it was just so basic, it was so basic. Mm. So you feel like there would be a difference between, let's say, a purple belt today and, let's say, a purple belt like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, right? Oh, absolutely. 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 But I don't think there should be a difference with how the, the effectiveness of the technique is. I just think there's, there's, diff- there's more variations now. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, I think- yeah. I think because back then the very the, the, the tech, it was just a lot more simpler. I think it was just simpler. Mm. You know, once once like Berimbolo and the upside down and the inverted and the fifty fifty and ninety three and all these guards started popping up, then it's just you, you open this Pandora box. You know, the mm. worm guard, the this, the that guard, bro. It's, it's like you have to actually catch up with all of this. Where back then it was like not, nah, like you open the guard like this and you pass and you smash, and you get your win. You know what I mean? Like that was <laughs> it. Like, open guard, pass, and get your W, right? Neon belly, yeah. arm bar, or. You know, it's very, very basic. You wanted to finish a fight, you know? Now, Where how do I you... Think, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What were you saying? No, but, well, it was... I think that's the difference. I think that is the true difference with the jiu-jitsu back then and, and now. I think back then, at least you had a sense of the reality of the technique. Uh, and now... Oh, it's 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 a misinterpretation of what really Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is, which is the self-defense art. You're never gonna be all inverted upside down on your neck on the street. Like, you'd be a fool to do that in a real fight. Yeah. But a lot of schools are kind of just latching on to what's cool, to what's new, and that that's the Jiu-Jitsu that they're teaching. So I feel there's, a, you know, there's a sense of missing misinterpretation of what really jiu-jitsu is which is a self-defense martial art mm. so you feel that some schools are out there that are like they're focusing too much on what jiu-jitsu sports right? completely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mean, go compete go get your points go and when and that's cool like, that's cool but there there should be i think every black belt should know Everybody should know self-defense. Forget being a black belt, but the self-defense program or the basics of how to get out of the guillotine, how to, you know what I mean? Like just basic shit, basic stuff that not a lot of people 
are training anymore because they're interested in, oh, I saw this guy on YouTube doing this move and this move, and then he flipped and then he did the little bit like, I'm like, bro, but. Yeah, there was actually a spoof on that too, I think on YouTube, where a guy was like making pretend he was getting in a fight with a guy. Then he like dropped to the ground, did a couple oh, of. Oh, he started skip, uh, and, scooping and, in and, into them? And he inverted. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like how, how, you know what I mean? Like, but look, everything evolves, right? Everything evolves in life. So you have to kind of adapt to the change. Uh, for me, I like. I like keeping the, the traditional, the old school self-defense sense of, because in reality, that's really where it's going to come in handy. Mm. One day somebody's going to try to take your shit, you're going to have to choke them out, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, for, for the people out there who do not know Luis, he's known for choking people. There's... <laughs> There's a YouTube video out there of when he was a brown belt and he choked the shit out of this guy. He did a, a baseball back choke, right? Was it a baseball yeah. back or a brown No, baseball back. And he did it from neon belly and he just did his unique way of wiggle wiggle. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, and he, man. and he choked the shit out of the guy. Now, what I found interesting is like for you, you seem to thrive more when it was kind of like a one-on-one, like best two out of three submission type tournament. On the tournaments, yeah. Yeah, I think that was where I, I from what I've seen you compete, that's where you thrive. So do you find that? Because that's kind of been like the latest trend now, is people are getting more involved in promoting submission-only type um, tournaments. What's your take on that? Do you feel that there's more beneficial for competitors to do that style of tournament as opposed to particular IBGF tournaments? Yeah, absolutely. Because, again, we're going back to what we were talking before. It's, people are winning matches because they're doing getting their points and then locking for the rest of the match on a 50-50, and then you lock in. And if you don't know what a 50-50 is, it's, don't worry, you're not missing too much, you know, because it's nothing exciting, you know, there's nothing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that's the part, that's the different jiu-jitsu that it's like, it's safe, it's, it's at points it's riskier, but the, the competition scene, it, it, it was about winning by points or winning by this or an advantage where, yeah, it's like, you know, it, it, the, the, it, it, it has changed. It just, I, I don't know. It just, everything, I don't know. It just changed so much that you're kind of, you're kind of forced to stay on top. So your defense is, you know, even, even if you don't play that game, you're always going to have to be aware that there are some, really new thing like look at the worm guard you know that's like if you don't if you're not put into that or if you're not put into these new positions you, you won't know what to do you know what i mean so exactly and what about with the latest trends when it comes to 
leg locks. Like a lot of these guys from, you know, then a her squad, you know, they've been like killing it. Yeah. Years. What's your take on leg locks? They work. Straight <laughs> <laughs> to the point, right? And they're painful and they work. And you know what it is when they when when it's no gi, you don't you can't grab the gi, you can't grab the uniform. So if you're just attacking the neck and the arms, you're just attacking fifty percent of the arm, of the body. You're cutting yourself short fifty percent. So okay. what they're doing is just increasing that that percentage of of submission. And leg locks is the way it is, you know. Especially especially no gi, especially no gi. Mm. And they're really scientists, bro. They're like, everything has a plan, you know? Exactly. Now, are you yourself starting to incorporate leg locks? No, I I mean, not, no. (laughs) No. And I'll tell you why, Mark. I'll tell you why. Because I feel that I, I would rather be on the defensive part and focus on my game. Like, I'm mm. not going to start learning a new thing because that's where I want to take my jiu-jitsu. Like, that's not where my mind frame is when I train. I'll, I'll review, I'll learn, I'll, I'll see what's up to date. But I think where my confidence is is that I'm confident in my jiu-jitsu, in the jiu-jitsu that I train where I, I'm confident in that I can direct the fights where I need them to go. And if they are attacking my legs, like I'm confident that I, I don't want to get to that point. So preventing, right? Always preventing um, in, into getting into those positions. Like anything else, it just, so, so I don't really try to, uh, I try learning it, but I'd rather be on the defensive, like be, have them play my game. All right. Mm. So you find that when you're rolling with somebody, you can kind of put them into where you want them to be. Well, that's the right. ultimate plan. Yeah. That's really ultimate. Like if they're if they're taking the fight where you're defending the legs, then you're fighting. Then you ended up. Then you did something that either got you on the on your back or. Or you ended up on your, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. why stay there? I, I think that's the part where I see like the new competing, like when you see guys competing, they stay in that pocket when they shouldn't. Like uh, sometimes it's maybe just a matter of just kind of pushing off and changing the direction of the fight so it goes differently. But people just stay in that pocket, like, you know, like, like mm. like mosquitoes seeing that blue light, you know, and you just go and get sapped. They don't move away. And next thing you know, their ankle's getting caught. You know what I mean? So if you're in the, if leg locks is, is not your game, try to avoid getting in a situation where your legs are going to be exposed. You know what I mean? Like if you're on your back, sit up. Like try to just sit up or, or stand up, you know? Mm. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Now, out of all the guys, you know, because you've, you've met, you've been, like, with a lot of top instructors, and you've been, you know, in a lot of, like, top-level 
tournaments yourself. Who was the toughest guy you ever rolled with? Ah, uh, the toughest, like painful toughest or technique toughest, like like tear in my eye. This is painful. Yeah, Why am I yeah, doing this? Yeah, yeah, tear in your eyes. Definitely Dustin Dennis, bro. <laughs> hands down, hands down. I've had I had a lot of fights. I think Dustin Dennis. Uh, has just he helped me level up and it wasn't by words of encouragement you know what I mean <laughs> he, just, he just he just brought it to you he just fucking molded me bro and that was it that was it like that that I can't say anything else. Like painful, but but educational, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now tell tell us a little bit more about your school. Like, where's your school located at? So we're located in Clifton, New Jersey, one six five Lakeview Avenue. The school is called Lake. Uh, the school is called Rise Up Jiu Jitsu. Um. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're kicking, man. We're going strong. We had two guys compete over the weekend. They did really great. Oh, um, yeah? Yeah, you know. What tournament? It was, tournament? Uh, it was uh, the Fuji tournament up in uh, Hampshire or no, Ranchburg. Oh, okay. And uh, it was a great tournament, man. It was, it was good to be back in the, in the scene and coaching the guys, and all good, man. We're ready to uh, to keep competing. The guys are going to sign up to more tournaments. We're really not a competition school, but the guys, when they get the bug, they do, and they go for it. Uh, we like to focus on the self-defense, like we were talking earlier. That's, that's really our prime, our prime objective here is uh, learning effective self-defense, yeah, authentic. Jiu-Jitsu. Okay. And then you guys have a website? Yes, sir. Riseupjujitsu.com. And you guys go. If you guys are in, if you guys are in uh, the Sake area, definitely. definitely stop by and check the school out. Come and check out. First class is free. Always welcome. Uh, no obligations. Good group of guys. You know me, Mark. You know, we train safe. It's always about having fun. Uh, but yes. training hard, man. You, you know, yeah, you got yeah. you got you got to put your time in. Exactly, exactly. Now, are you still following up like on the current um, the current competitors at all? Or? A little bit. I like the big boys. I like the heavyweights, man. Like, like you know? who? Like who do you like now? Uh, I, I've always been a big fan of Buchecha. You know, Buchecha. Uh, Leonardo Law has always been an, a, uh, a great competitor. Okay. And then, like, what about, like, other guys like Cyborg or... Uh, yeah, I mean, great. There's, there's so many. There really are, man. There, there's a lot. Um, 
I actually got a chance to do a great seminar recently with uh, uh, Malfasini and uh, and Robinho, uh, Hobson Mora. Okay. They were, they were together up here in Jersey, and it was a great tournament. It was a great tournament. I learned some great stuff. Uh, but even then, it's like you can see how the techniques evolve and how they're both in different, like, all in the technique, right? Because Mafasini did some very basic pass, but with a lot of details, where Mourinho was a lot more inverted and a little bit more complex technique, still with a lot of details. So the the school, the, the, the learn, the teaching, the learning is different. But the objective is always the same. It's just a matter of what what fits to what person, right? What style fits to what person. That's why, like, you see the Meow brothers, they, they're, they're monsters. But, or like, like the Mendez brothers, right? Yeah. They, they have such a strong, fast pace. And I like that. I like that relentless pace. But there's some techniques that are just, uh, they're, at the, I, I, this is how I always seen it. Some techniques look really nice when you have co uh, cooperation of your of your opponent or your training partner. Mm. But in reality, when you're in tournaments, the techniques that are going to work are the basics, man. And if you go back to seeing most of the tournaments, they, very few are doing fancy shit. Most of them are sticking to the basics, you know. I've always been a fan of like Auger Gracie or Prong Gracie. You know? Well, they, they Prong Gracie is basic, well, yeah. basic stuff. Basic stuff. You know? Especially, especially Roger Gracie. You know, especially Roger. Like he is. He just mounts you and chokes the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, or 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 armbar you or triangle yeah. you, but it's always those very basic fundamentals. You know. Exactly. And even Kron and his uh, latest MMA fights, like, you see him, like, just basics, bro, basics. Even back in the day with Hickson and Pride, how did he win most of the fights? Basics, right? Like, mouth yeah. and armbar and just staying heavy, staying in control. There was no inverted shit, you know? Like, I think that's the part where it's getting lost, that essence, that, that true essence of that. That old school uh, self defense, mm. Helio Gracie Jiu Jitsu, you know? Yeah. Now I got a question for you. Now, I want you, in your opinion, because there's always a lot of like Jiu Jitsu guys that debate over this. Which do you think makes you better, training with the Gi or training without the Gi? Oh, Gi, hands down. <laughs> Can you clarify that a little bit? I just think he gives you a fundamentals. I think he is a uh, the gi is a learning tool, and not only a learning tool. I think that the, the gi represents a certain uh, tradition, a certain sense of tradition, a sense of uh, respect, and you know, it's a, it's an armor. 
with no gi, your body is the armor. With the gi, your gi is part of the armor. Um, I think the translation of gi to no gi is a lot easier than if you are doing no gi and all of a sudden you put on the gi, you're going to be, you're going to hate it. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to be like wearing a coat in the middle of the summer. You know, like you're going to be out of, out of place. Where if you, if you start with, with the foundations of, of a gi, then you learn the, the basics of grips. Like where to grip your opponent so you get your maximum uh, and your most efficient result. And I think because without, without the no gi, the body becomes slippery and, and it slides, so it's a lot tougher. It becomes a lot more technical. To, to get the results. The same results that you want to get with the gi is going to take you twice or three times much more technique or effort with the no gi than with the gi. It's just that simple. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just a great learning tool. Mm. Good points. Good points there. Now I got another question for you. Can you explain the concept that Hickson always talks about? Invisible jujitsu. Oh man. <laughs> um, well, I think the the concept is it's not like a special force. Like it's not like a special chi that you're tapping into when you curl your toes a certain way. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't happen. <laughs> what it what it is? It's it's certain angles while you're rolling that you're able to manipulate or hit and it, it really adds a, a level of either pressure or, or leverage to your opponent. So it's really more like strategical placement of your body or let's say when somebody like let's say you're mounted on somebody right and they're pushing on top they're pushing you from the bottom up what he means is just the the way you're gonna translate his energy into yours so you're not just gonna be able to you're not gonna just get pushed you're gonna be able to get pushed but advance as he's getting pushed so you're kind of feeling as you're progressing does that make sense so it's a it's a it's, it's like a sixth sense of just awareness and positional positional placement it is it's completely a feel because it's completely a feel because if you're if you're grabbing an arm, right? If you're tugging that arm to get an arm bar across, you know, their opponent is gonna feel it, right? If you're gonna grab that arm with two on one and you're gonna like drag it across and then try to slide your knee and be aggressive about it, your your opponent is gonna be a lot more aggressive in defending, right? Yeah. 
But if you have a much more positional jujitsu where you're molding yourself, you're kind of blending into wherever he's moving, then that arm is eventually just gonna, it's just gonna end up in a position where you're just gonna be able to take it. With not really applying so much energy, but just more of, of waiting for the right time to be able to get to those, those, those positions to get the submissions without really just grinding, moving, uh, going with the flow, going with the momentum, going against it or with it, but always advancing. That's, that's really where it's at. Like just becoming more of a fluent person overall while you roll. Yeah, I think they used to use use that phrase back in the day. Uh, take what your opponent gives you. Yeah, that was the phrase that they used to use a lot back then in the old days. And it is, well, it, it's it is still the same thing. Yeah, it's still, and that's where a lot of you know, like that's the essence of it, you know, and that's the beauty. That's why jujitsu people at all ages and and women and kids. It's adaptable to everybody because everybody can do it. Anybody can do it, you know? Not everybody has to go hard and go world, you know, mundials each day they roll, but it's a matter of repetition and technique. So that develops uh, muscle memory. And when you have muscle memory, just like everything else, like if you have a gun and you, Learn how to deal with that gun every day to unload and load and unload and unjam the gun and unjam it. Dude, when it comes to a shootout, you're going to be a, a, a superhero. You know what I mean? But <laughs> so it's just like everything else. Yep. 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 Everything else. And I think that's why the reality is that that's why jujitsu has such a beautiful translation and it, it translates nice to real life like it, 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 you, you you learn so much on the mat that it bleeds into your outside the mat life yeah. because it puts you in so much adversities it teaches you about yourself it teaches you about being comfortable uncomfortable about quitting about losing about winning about injuries like it just it, it never stops it just never stops and so it is it for everybody no right some people quit that's cool but for the people that do stick with it and the people that do find those lessons uh that have a a, a positive result in their lives that's why they stick with it that's why they. That's the. Re- that's only the reason why they stick with it. Not because they can win medals or because, because their life changes. Legit, legitimately, their life changes. Ha- habits change. You you make smarter decisions. Your diet changes. Your sleep changes. You make decisions in order for your jujitsu to get better. That's ultimately what happens. That's some good points there you made, my man. Right? <laughs> All right, everybody. So anybody that's in the Clifton, Passaic area, New Jersey, check up Rise Up Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, Definitely. Luis Heron, 
The website is what? www.riseupjujitsu.com? Riseupjujitsu.com or check us out on Instagram, Rise Up Jiu Jitsu. Okay. And uh, yeah, guys, give us a call. Uh, very chill, very friendly place to train. And Mark, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, we've well, for a while. having you on the show, sir. And, uh, and uh, don't forget, you're coming back in a few weeks. You know, maybe in a couple of weeks or so. But we're definitely having you back. Think, you know, to get your uh, intake. On, yeah, man. Anytime. Uh, sport of jiu-jitsu and you know how it affects the world of MMA. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Sounds All good. Right. I appreciate the opportunity, man. Thank you so much for the time. Yep. Oh, had a great time, man. And I yep. uh, hope to see you soon, man. Stop by and train. We miss I you, will. I will. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll be back after this short break. All right, Sharky. Talk to you later, everybody. Take care. All right, guys, back on the show. Uh, this week, I wanted to go over some recent events that happened in the sport of MMA, particularly with Bellator. Um, last week, I didn't get to talk to it because I was doing a lot of interviews. So I figured I'd put two interviews together to make the podcast a little bit more interesting. This week, I wanted to get back to it. Uh, first, let's start off with Bellator two, 222 with Rory McDonald and Neiman Gracie. Now... I did predict that Rory would win it because I thought his stand-up was a little bit better, but I got to give it to Neiman Gracie. For a guy who's only had eight pro fights, he lasted all five rounds with Rory McDonald. I was very impressed. He wasn't able to submit him. He got him. In a, he got. He did get one impressive sweep on Rory McDonald, but Rory McDonald was able to uh, thwart any takedown attempts from Neiman Gracie and survived on the ground. And Gracie did hold his own in terms of the stand-up. So I was very, very impressed with that. Um, then when you go to Bellator 223, you had uh, Paul Daly and Eric Silva. Um, Paul Daly did beat Eric Silva, which is what I thought he was going to do. He pretty much destroyed him on, on the uh, feet. He almost knocked him out a few times, but Silva was so tough he was able to hang out with it. Then you got the Irish guy, James Gallagher, who defeated Jeremiah Labiano. And then what I was more particularly impressed, I didn't get to see the fight, but um, for some reason, Dasan did not have it streamed. It was filmed somewhere else. On that same night, they had a um, an undercard fight somewhere. I think it was on MMA Junkie somewhere. I think that's where they streamed it. I don't know why Danson didn't add it to their catalog for the subscription, uh, people paying subscription fees. But they had Lovato uh, Jr. Um, beating Gregor Masasi, which I thought was uh, very impressive considering he was a strike force champion. I was uh, very, very impressed with it. Now, Lovato Jr., he's been around for a very long time in the sport of uh, MMA. I think he's a three-time Nogi World Champion, a first American to win Brazilian Nationals. Um, very impressed with him. Um, I mean, I actually think that somewhere down the line he is going to get his title fight. And um, 
considering that Gregor Masasi was a strike force champion in Fort in UFC, I was absolutely amazed I, from the highlight footage where I saw where he pretty much dominated that guy everywhere. And what impressed me the most with Lovato Jr. is his stand-up. I mean, I know he did some training with Vandalay Silva, so maybe that helped a lot, but I don't know why he waited so long to get into the sport of MMA, because I think he's in his mid-30s, but he's doing very well. I think he I think the other he did hold a world title. I think it's called Legacy FC. I forget the promotion, but he is a world champion in MMA in a smaller promotion. Um, I think it was Legacy FC. I could, I could be getting it wrong. I apologize if I am. Um, no disrespect to Lovato Jr. I'm very impressed with his stand-up. Now, also on the card, again, I, I don't understand dancing. They didn't have Lovato Jr. on the Bellator app, and they didn't have Hops and Gracie's uh, fight on Danzen app, but they did have it on the Bellator app. Like, if you go to the Lovato Jr. fight on the Bellator app, it says it's a violation or something like that. That was the error message. But I was able to see the Hops and Gracie. He beat the guy um, with an armbar, belly down armbar with the shin on top of the head, which I found was amazing. It was Neeming Gracie almost got it on Rory McDonald. Um, but he didn't get to pull it off. I thought both events were good. I enjoyed uh, the Neeming Gracie matchup. I definitely enjoyed, enjoyed the whole card of Bellator 223 with Daly and Silva. Um, I'm looking forward to the next events going on. Um, I did enjoy James Gallagher fight against Jeremiah Lebano. Um, he did beat him. I, I was that guy's been on a tear. I think he's only had one loss in Bellator, so be on a lookout with that guy. Um, that's pretty much it. And then when we get to the next big UFC event, which is going to be Jones versus Santos, that's coming up on um, July 4th weekend during fight week. Now, this is going to be a very good card. A very good card. I wish I'm going to be on vacation, but I'm definitely going to check it out when I get back. Uh, you got John Jones versus Diego Santos. I honestly think John Jones... He's going to be able to hold on to the bell for a while longer. At least one or two more fights. So I think he's going to have it. Then you got Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm. Now this should be interesting because they both got very good stand-up. But Nunes throws bombs. And she definitely has a significant advantage on the ground. Um, so I'm going to give it to Amanda Nunes on that one. Then <laughs> you got Ben Ashton versus Jorge Masvidal. I don't know how to pick that one. It's Ben Ashton is undefeated. Jorge's got some losses, but Jorge, I think, has got him beat on the feet. Um, I think I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go against my gut and go with Jorge Masvidal on that one. Then you got Luke Rockhold versus Jan Blockowitz. I, I really don't know too much about that guy. So I'm going to go with Lou Rockhold. And then you got Diego Sanchez versus Michael Chisa. I'm going to go with Michael on that one because he's a lot younger. Diego, I think, has got um, too much mileage on him. All right, guys. That's it for the news this week. We'll be back after the short break.
Alright guys, we're back. And now is the time for you guys to learn how to make money. Now, you can easily make money by listening to this podcast by downloading an app called PodCoin. You either your Android phone or your tablet or your iPhone or your tablet. And it's fairly simple. For each podcast you listen to, you earn points. And then you can redeem those points for either Amazon or Starbucks. Or you can even donate it to charity. Now, by listening to my podcast and using this special promo code called MMA Show. That's the promo code, MMA Show. You will get 300 pod coins just for signing up and using my code. Again, it's MMA Show. And the app is called PodCoin. You can get it from, if you have an Android um, device, you can go to the Google Play Store. If you have an Apple device, you go to the uh, Apple Store. All right, guys, we'll be back. Hey, fans, here at Podcast City Network, we have a lot of great shows on all of our great social media outlets, podcastcity.net. Facebook.com slash Podcast City Network. Hit that thumbs up. You can send a tweet to Podcast City Network on Twitter at Podcast City Net. Only on Podcast City Network. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to www.audibletrial.com slash MMA show and browse the unmasked selection of audio programs. Download a trial for free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash MMA show. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original shows, news, comedy and more from the leading audiobook publishers broadcasters and entertainers and if you need a book suggestion i have two one is called i am a survivor by christina retorto and the other one is written by me mark retorto called the cabal the saga begins Alright guys, we're back to the show. This is Mark. And to all the listeners out there, we'd appreciate it if you uh, make a small contribution to keep the uh, podcast going. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm mark the sh- slash mark the shark MMA show and click on the support this podcast button. And it's Mark with a C and not a K. Again, it's anchor.fm slash mark the shark MMA show. guys we're at the end of our show this is mark retorto i'm signing off and don't forget to follow us on our facebook page it's called the mark the shark mma show and it's mark with a c not a k and also feel free to leave us messages by using the anchor app and also don't forget if you look in a mood for a good action thriller book to buy my book called the cabal the saga begins it's available on amazon and barnesandnoble.com and if you need a good book for your kid Get the I Am Survivor book, 
or Invisible Girl book written by my daughter, Christina Retorto, also available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show and continue to listen to our shows every week. Thank you.